Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you on your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Well, hey, good morning, Rescue Church. I want to say welcome to each and every one of you in all of our locations. It's so good to have you with us as we're jumping into week two of this series we started last week called Catch and Release. I want to start with a quick question. How many of you have seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge? Um, it's, it's a movie that came out in 2016. It's one of the, the kind of movies that is totally up my alley. I love movies that are based on true stories. And I'll tell you just briefly kind of the, the story behind this movie Hacksaw Ridge. And then I'm going to show you a quick clip from it because it totally sets up what I want to talk about in our time together this morning. But the movie Hacksaw Ridge tells the story about a man by the name of Desmond Doss who enlisted in the army back in World War II. He felt that the, the cause of the war was justified and he felt an obligation to serve his country. Uh, the problem was he had such religious convictions that would not allow him to consider taking another human life any for any reason ever, and yet he felt called to go serve on the front lines of battle. And so he enlisted into the army as a conscientious objector, and uh, the movie portrays the struggles that he had, understandably so, with his, with his soldiers that he was trying to serve alongside of, and, and the, the battles he had to fight first with them, just to get the trust that, man, here's this guy that wants to go into battle with us, and he doesn't even want to carry a weapon. And, um, but the cool thing is, is that um, Desmond Doss saved arguably 75 or more, some people say it was well over that, 75 or more men in one of the bloodiest battles of the Pacific Theater in World War II on the island of Okinawa. There was this 400-foot cliff that was given the name Hacksaw Ridge, and the, the Japanese army was entrenched on top of this, and they kept sending groups up this ridge. And, and so the mo movie shows the story of how Desmond Doss was used in that battlefield setting to save the lives of men, never carrying a battle, uh, never carrying a weapon into battle. I got just a brief clip from that video I want to share with you now. Check this out.
Please, Lord. Help me get one more. these guys coming from? From Hacksaw. I thought they pulled out. Not all of them. Some nuts up there dragged the moon from the top. Even lowered a couple of Japs. They didn't make it. I'm back with you directly. Easy, easy. All set, move out. Wow, what a story portrayed in that film and uh, totally sets up what I want to talk to you guys about in our time together this morning. But before I go any further, I do just want to point something out on a, on a side note. Uh, this does happen to be Memorial Day weekend, and for those of us in the United States, it's a time where we reflect on and we pay honor and tribute to the men and women that have paid the ultimate price of freedom in giving their lives so that we can have the freedoms that we know today. And so I just want to do that from this platform. Um, I just want to take a moment and honor all men and women that have served and continue to serve. I know Veterans Day is when we honor uh, active duty military, but I'm just saying I don't think there's ever a wrong time to say thank you to the men and women who serve in our United States Armed Forces. And this is just me. This isn't thus says the Lord. Uh, but tomorrow, Monday, is Memorial Day, and in so many communities across our country, there's going to be uh, different Memorial Day services happening. And I just think, I'm, this is just me, you can disagree if you want, I just think that it, it's a great time, especially for those of us with younger children, the next generation, it's a great time to take a few minutes out of our day to put the media aside, to leave the iPad at home, and take our kids out to these cemeteries and community centers and wherever these services are happening and just say thank you and just pay some honor and tribute to those men and women who have fought and done the unthinkable so that we can live in a nation where we experience the kind of freedom that we do. Because his story, Desmond Doss's story, is just one of countless stories of selfless men and women who served. And um, cool thing is about Desmond Doss's story, he was the only conscientious objector, objector to ever receive a congregational uh, Medal of Valor in battle. So really cool stuff, cool story. But 
What we see depicted there, the reason I, one of the reasons I love that story is because a lot of the times when I describe what's happening spiritually in our world, when I try to describe the spiritual landscape, I often use terminology like what you just saw on the screen. I often refer to our world in a spiritual sense like this war-torn battlefield where all around us there's just carnage and wreckage and there's lives of people that, that are trapped in their sin and they're screaming out in pain. They're, they're crying out for rescue and salvation. Some of them don't even know how bad they, they've got it. But for those of us who know and love Jesus Christ, we understand there's a world all around us in desperate need of salvation. And we're talking in this series about God's heart for lost people. And like he would have us have that be our prayer. Like Desmond Doss, Lord, give us one more. Help us pull one more lost sinner back from the brink and into a saving knowledge of your son Jesus. So Jesus used another analogy regarding this whole thing about evangelism. And it's kind of the foundation of this series. Jesus used the analogy of fishing. Last week, we looked in Matthew chapter 4 at Jesus' words where he called us to be fishers of men. He said, first, come and follow me. The invitation was to come and be a follower of Christ. And then, let me transform your life in such a way that you are now being used by God in the process of bringing other people into a relationship with me. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So I told you last week that, like, our life is a fishing trip. It really is. As, as followers of Jesus, we have been called to be fishing. Fishing for the souls of men. And here's what I want us to understand today. This is what we're going to talk about. This command of Jesus to be fishers of men is not some optional, if you feel like it, if you have time on the weekends and feel like doing a little fishing kind of a deal. This is a command to give our lives for others. That God would channel through us, that he would use us as a channel of his blessing to invite other people to the same relationship with Jesus that we have. And today in our time together, I want to show you a story from scripture that will point out just how much lost people matter to God. To, to help us understand just how much God really cares about lost people. And if God cares about it, so should we. So if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to join me in Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at a story that Jesus told that really illustrates this heart of God well. As far as how God relates to and sees and cares about lost people who do not yet know him as their Lord and Savior. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1, the Bible says, Now the tax collectors and sinners, pay attention to those two words, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Okay, let's talk for just a moment about who are the tax collectors. What does that even mean? When the Bible talks about tax collectors, what you can just know is that this is the scum of the earth in Jesus' day. These people were like legalized criminals. They, they, they were involved in extortion of their fellow countrymen. Like they, were, they cheated people out of money. People hated the tax collectors. And when, when it says sinners, just imagine, because we know from other parts in the Bible, like just imagine it was drunkards that Jesus was gathering around himself. It was prostitutes 
the sexually immoral, that Jesus was, was attracting to himself. All of these people gathered around Jesus because they wanted to hear what he had to say. They were drawn to him. Well, notice who didn't like it. The religious people didn't like it. That's who the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were. They were the religious establishment in Jesus' day. And they didn't like the fact that Jesus was drawing around himself a crowd of these people. And they muttered about it. Who does this guy think he is? He hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. He even eats with them. He shares fellowship and a meal with them. Hey, Rescue Church, can I just tell you something? If we're going to be the kind of church that God is calling us to be, we had better be surrounding ourselves with the very people that Jesus drew to himself as well. I just want you to know, if we're going to be a church that's faithful in sharing the true message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, that there's a God in heaven who created us, and he loves us so much that even in spite of our sin, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to give his life and die on a cross, what we need to understand is that is going to draw broken, hurting, messed up people to this church to hear the gospel. And we need to be okay with that. God help us if we ever get to a point as a church where we go, oh, we don't want those kinds of people around us. If we ever reach a point as a church where we're just full of perfect people, self-righteous religious people who forgot how desperately they need a Savior, our, our church is in big trouble. I recently was having a conversation with someone uh, who's a part of the Flandreau community from time to time, and when they're in town, uh, they know about our church, they, they've been watching our church from a distance, and when they're in our town, sometimes in the local you know, bakery, coffee shops, whatever, they'll just kind of randomly ask people, hey, what do you think about the Rescue Church? What do you know about the Rescue Church? Just, they're curious what others say. And recently, this individual was telling me that uh, one, of, one of the people said, oh, you know, that, that's the church where all the adulterers go. Huh. I had to think about that one for a minute. I, I'm okay with that label as long as it's the, the label of, like, where the Apostle Paul said, such were some of you. Like, if this is a church that's known as a church that opens our arms to people who've made some bad decisions in their life, and their life is kind of messed up, and they come to this place and they meet Jesus, and he transforms their lives, I'm, I'll wear that badge proudly. Yep, we're the church where adulterers go. Now, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, with your lips and with your life, you're out telling the community a different story, that's another conversation. And I pray that God's Spirit just convicts you, like, you need to stop that. Go and sin no more, is what Jesus said to the sexually immoral woman, right? Amen, church? I mean, that's, that's where we're at. But, hey, if we're a church that's known in our community as being a church who opens its arms to people that don't look like they belong in church, I'm okay with that. And I hope you are, too. Because this is the kind of crowd that Jesus brought to himself, broken, hurting people who were in need of a Savior. So when the religious people muttered against Jesus, he goes into this story called a parable. A parable is just a story Jesus told that kind of has earthly characters, but they represent a deeper spiritual kingdom story. All right? So watch this. Luke chapter 15, verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? 
And when he finds it, he hits it over the head and says, you stupid sheep, why did you run away in the first place? Is that what your Bible says? It's not what my Bible says either. Watch this. It says, when he finds it, he joyfully, notice that word joyfully, puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I looked up the Greek word behind this phrase, rejoice with me, and the Greek word is partay. That's not true. I didn't look that up. But this is what's happening. He's throwing a party. He says, I have found my lost sheep. That's the heart of our shepherd. Now, Jesus is different than me because here's how John is wired. If I have a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, I might be tempted to kind of be like, well, I still have 99. I mean, what's one sheep when I've got 99? Why would I leave? I know that one sheep is out there in the wilderness, lost. I know he runs the risk of starvation and wolves and dying of thirst. And and, and it's not going to end well for that one sheep. But I've still got my 99 over here. I'm okay with that. Thankfully, Jesus has a different heart than me. Because the heart of God, the Father, says, I'm going to leave my 99 And risk everything to go after that one lost sheep. And when I find that one lost sheep, I'm not going to smack it and tell it, why did you run away? I'm going to joyfully and gently put that sheep on my shoulders and carry it home. That's the message of the cross. That's what happened on the cross of Calvary. It's Jesus was our sacrificial lamb. He went to the cross and took our sins, your sins, my sins, upon his shoulders so that he could carry us home into a right relationship with the Father in heaven. And it says he's happy about it. He's joyful about it. He's happy to do that for lost people. By the way, that's the whole main point, the main thought behind this message today. If we had to summarize the heart of this story that Jesus is telling, you can write this down on your notes if you want. It's simply this. Lost people matter to God. Lost people matter to God. That's why at our church we count people. And I'm not a, I don't apologize for We count who shows up. We count when someone says, I have received Christ as my Savior. We count baptisms when people step into the waters of baptism and proclaim their faith in Jesus publicly. We count people because people count. Because behind every one of those numbers, there's a soul whom Jesus gave his life on the cross for, and they matter to him. Lost people matter to God. I want to ask the question, do lost people matter to you? Do lost people matter to you? I want to just do something creative here. We're, we're working with this fishing theme, and you might have noticed John's got a fishbowl up here. I want for just a moment, if I can, to speak to those in the sound of my voice this morning that would say, you know, John, I don't know if I'm even a follower of Jesus. That whole come and follow me thing, I don't even know if I've done that yet. Like, I'm not even so sure I'm there. I need to just give you a word of warning, and then I'm going to talk to the Christians for just a second. The word of warning that I would say to the lost in the sound of my voice, and by the way, you might not like that label, but if you've never come to accept Jesus and repent from your sin and Invite him to be the Lord of your life. The Bible would say you're lost. You're the lost sheep in the story. Here's what you need to understand about your state. Like, just using this fish as an example. 
Jesus is this master fisherman, right? Like he's fishing for the souls of men and he wants us to join him in that process. But I want to warn you, for those of you that are outside of Christ, there's someone else fishing for your soul as well. The Bible gives him multiple labels and names, Satan, the evil one, Beelzebub, the father of all lies. There's an enemy of your soul. And he'll use anything to trap you in the net of sin, and he doesn't care if it's, if it's addiction or drugs or illicit relationships. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if it's good religious moral stuff. You're just living your life thinking you're doing your own thing, and all of a sudden, before you know it, the trap slams shut around you, and you are caught in a net. And you're like this fish, caught in a net, and you, you got nowhere to go. And so, hey, church, know this. There's people all around us like this. They're caught in a net. They're what the Bible calls lost. And to the lost people, you might not think it's that big of a deal, but watch this. When the net really slams shut, now this is just a fish, guys. Please don't send me hate mail, okay? These are just cheap at Walmart. You can get them, but we're just going to let this guy hang out here for a little bit. You all know that a fish out of water isn't going to live very long. This fish is dying, and in a few moments, he's going to be dead. With each second passing off the clock, it's one getting closer to his life. And these guys, I mean, they're over here in the church. They're cool. They're having their Bible study. They're arguing inside the church about issues that don't really matter. And all the while, there's this lost fish out here. All right, I can't handle this anymore. We're going to let this guy back in here because I'm not that mean of a guy. All right, there you go, buddy. Live. Remember how I talked about how Jesus, when he fishes for us, he brings us from death to life, and he releases us to be everything that he created us to be as followers of Jesus. But the enemy, he's fishing for some souls here today, and he's going to take you from life to death. And I believe there's men and women in the sound of my voice this weekend, you're like this fish flopping on the table. You are in desperate need of rescue. Because with every day that passes off the calendar, it's one day moving you closer to your appointment with a God who you do not know and a God with whom you are not right with. The good news is Jesus wants to change all of that. But I want to ask a question of those of you here today that would claim to be followers of Jesus. Remember I said, do lost people matter to you? They matter to God? The truth is, some of you were more concerned about the well-being of that fish in the last few minutes, and you gave more concern and thought to the well-being of that fish than you've given to your lost loved one or neighbor in weeks, months, years, if ever. Lost people matter to God, and he desires that lost people matter to us as well. I recently heard a pastor say, if you're not concerned about the eternal destiny and the salvation of your neighbor, I sincerely question yours. Those are kind of some hard words for us to hear and hard words to think about. But that's God's heart for the lost. He loves lost people. Lost people matter to God. They need to matter to us. I just want to end with one more scripture here, one more verse that is just going to put an exclamation point 
on this idea that how much lost people matter to God. Verse 7 of Luke 15 says, I tell you, Jesus is speaking, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, just so we're all very well aware, and Jesus knew this when he said this, there's really nobody that is so righteous they are not in need of repentance. But remember who Jesus was really telling this story for. He was telling it for self-righteous religious people who did not realize how desperately they needed a Savior. If I'm speaking to anyone here today that you think you're a good enough person on your own, I hope that the truth of Jesus just impacts you right now and you realize, whoa, there really is no one that's that self-righteous that they don't need a Savior to save them from their sin. Just this past week, I had a really cool conversation around the supper table of all places in my fire station with a bunch of guys. And sometimes as followers of Christ, remember that come follow me thing? You're going to get opportunities to speak for Jesus. And in that moment, you get to make a decision. Am I going to do it or am I going to back out because I'm afraid of what other people might think of me? That's why we're doing this series. We're going to help train people how to share their faith in Jesus with others. So here I am, minding my own business, eating supper, and I don't remember how the conversation got turned to spiritual matters. But eventually, some of the guys started asking me questions, and obviously they know I'm a pastor, and so I'm the guy to go to with spiritual questions. And they're kind of interviewing me about how is it possible for somebody to wait right to the end of their life and then accept Christ and then be forgiven. And and we're talking about the gospel and the power of the gospel. And then this one guy basically starts making the case, well, I'm good enough. Like, I don't need all that. Like, I'm a good person. Why would I go to hell? I'm a good person. And we were trying to be a little lighthearted. Again, we had this big audience. And I just said, do you mind if I ask you a few questions about that? Sure, go ahead. So here's one question. I said, Have you ever said something that's not true? Have you ever told a lie? Well, yes, I've done that. Thank you for your honesty. What do you call someone who says something that's not true? Well, they're a liar. Okay, Uh, next question. Have you ever taken anything that did not belong to you personally? And he kind of had to think about this one for a minute because he's a pretty honest guy, pretty trustworthy. But uh, I said, doesn't matter how much it was worth. Like, you were a kid, whatever. Okay, yes, I've taken some things that didn't belong. What do you call someone who takes something that doesn't belong to them? A thief. And you could already see the light bulbs coming on. Then I said, well, how about this one? Have you ever committed adultery? He said, no, no, never. I said, okay, okay. Jesus said that if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And he was like, Dang it! Strike three! Yes, I've committed adultery! And the guys are kind of laughing a little bit, but you can kind of see some conviction starting to come. I said, okay, well, how about this one? Let's take a really big one. Murder. No, never murdered anyone. Okay, okay. But here's the thing. Jesus said if we hate someone in our heart, it's worse than a murderer. Strike four. I said, okay, here's the thing, man. Like, I know you think you're a good person, but... You've just confessed to me and all these guys around the table that you're a lying, thieving, adultering, murderer at heart, and we've only covered four of the Ten Commandments. And by the way, I was quick to let him know I'm guilty on all ten counts, and then some. So are you. And the point is, there's no such thing as a self-righteous fish that is not in need of rescue. Outside of Jesus, 
we're all flopping around on this table with our life slipping away, and we're in need of rescue. And Jesus said that there is a huge party that happens in heaven when one sinner repents and turns their heart toward home. And here's the thing. I want you to really zero in on this. First of all, there's no one that is truly not in need of repentance. We're all in need of it. But I also want to stress this. It's all about repentance. In order to be transferred from death over to life, there has to come that point of repentance in our life. And repentance is simply this. It's when we turn away from our sin. We acknowledge our sin is exactly that. It's sin against a holy, perfect God, and we repent of it. God, I am sorry. Please forgive me. I choose to follow you. I choose to turn away from my sin and turn towards you. I'm going to follow you with my life. Will I still make bad decisions? Yes. Will I still struggle with temptation? Yes. Will I still sin? Yes. But I have a new Savior, a leader, living inside of me through the power of the Holy Spirit, and I don't belong to myself anymore. I belong to Jesus. And I've become a follower of the one true living God. I want to close this out in a word of prayer. And before I do, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. I want to invite you to take a few steps, one or several of these steps, whichever may apply to you. So in all of our locations, if we could just heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. I just want to ask something of you in this moment. I'm wondering, am I speaking to anyone here today that has never trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? You've never repented of your sin and asked Jesus for his forgiveness. I wonder if I'm talking to anyone here today that would say, Pastor John, I'm like that fish out of water, and I need to be saved. And if that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'm going to invite you to make those words your words to the Lord and give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then secondly, I would say this. If you make that decision today to follow Christ, I would encourage you to consider in the as near future as possible, you get baptized And we're going to talk more about that in this series, but we've got sign-up sheets in our campuses where you can get signed up to be baptized at some point during this series. In our South Dakota campuses, it's going to be our B3 party. Get signed up to be baptized. Maybe you've already accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've never followed in baptism. Get baptized. It's an important step of, of our early faith walk with the Lord. I want to ask a question of those of you in the sound of my voice that would say, John, I know I'm a Christian, and yes, I've been baptized, and I'm grateful for that, but when was the last time you shared your faith in Jesus with someone else? I want to challenge you to take that step this week. Share your faith with someone in your life. And let me give you one of the easiest ways of doing it. Just invite them to join you in church. That's not the only way to share your faith by any means, but it's a valid way to share your faith. Invite them to a place where the gospel will be preached. I just want to celebrate real quick someone in our, one of our campuses this past week I saw on Facebook. They put out a call to all of their Facebook friends saying, I want to bring somebody new with me to church every week for the next six weeks. If you come, I will buy you a meal. I'll take care of your lunch. I'll cover your gas. Like, I will do whatever I need to do to get you to join me. Guys, that's what it's about. It's about us speaking up for the Lord and inviting others to a place where the gospel is going to be presented. And maybe you know Jesus, but it's high time we start sharing our faith in Jesus with others. And then finally, I would just throw this out as a step that I would invite you to take. If 
If you make any of those decisions today, I would love for you to share that decision with me by filling out one of our connection cards and just saying, hey, John, today I invited Jesus into my life. Hey, John, I need to be baptized. Sign me up. I'll do it. The next time I get an opportunity, the next time it's available, I want to be on that list. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a prayer request you want to share with us. It's a great way to, to get connected with our church through our email list. But if you've never filled out that connection card, I would invite you to do that. And let me just lead us in a word of prayer. And if you're ready to receive Jesus into your heart today, why don't you repeat after me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time that you've given to us here this morning. God, I pray for anyone in the sound of my voice right now that is ready to step across that line of faith and commit their heart and life to you in repentance. I pray that you would just give them the conviction and the courage to take this next step right now as they call upon your name, saying, Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God who came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, paying the penalty for all of my sin, all of my failures, all of my bad decisions. And I believe that you are extending to me the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And today, Jesus, I receive it by faith. I accept you and invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. I need to be rescued. And Jesus, I believe you are the only one who can rescue me from my sin. Today, I commit my heart and my life to follow you. God, I pray that there would be decisions being made in all of our campuses right now. Lord, I pray for those of us who claim to know you and love you and to be your followers, that you would help us to become fishermen. Lord, help us not to be these fish content to be in our little bowl with us too and not you and We're just having a little Bible study and another class and another event and we're arguing about things that don't even matter. All the while, there's fish outside the tank that are in need of rescue. God, help us to become fishers of men, to share our faith with the lost. Thank you that you love the lost. Thank you that you have a huge heart for the lost because God, without it, I would not be standing here today declaring your truth. Jesus, I pray you'd use this message in a powerful way. Not only today, but in the weeks, the months to come in the life of this church. God, light a fire in our hearts again for the lost souls of men. We commit ourselves to you. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv every Sunday at 10 a.m.